Thank you for joining us to hear today's message. At Faith Assembly, our passion and purpose is loving people to life in Christ. To find out more information, visit our website, faithnewcumberland.com. James chapter 2. All right. Today I want to talk about, just really briefly, I want to talk about the fact that God has work for you to do. Everybody's body went like this. Work. Oh, great. No, God has work for you to do, and it's the work you're designed to do. Okay, how do I know that God has work for you to do still? Because you're still here. Let me tell you something. When your mission is done, you leave. I was in the Army for 20 years and 27 days, okay? And when I was in the Army, they sent us different places, right? And guess what happened when our mission was done? They brought us back. Guess what the Father does when your mission is done here? He brings you home. That's what he does because he can't wait to fellowship with you more than you can even imagine. Okay, so I want to talk about God has work for you to do today, and it goes along with our mission Sunday. Okay, now, I want to start off by saying this. God is not a helicopter parent. God is not a helicopter parent. Raise your hand if you ever heard the term helicopter parent. Okay, I see a lot of hands. Helicopter parent. Did you guys know that West Shore School District changed the way that they did projects in school, take home projects in school? You know that? They changed it. You guys know that? You know why they changed it? Because kids were bringing projects home from school, but the kids weren't doing the projects because the parents were scared that the kids would get a bad grade. So the parents would do the project, give it to the kids, the kid would take it to school, get an A on it, and everybody would be happy except for the kid learned nothing. Right? Man, you're in second grade and you're using these multi, you know, these multi-syllable words and all that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they weren't learning anything. God's not a helicopter parent. God wants you to strive a little bit. God wants you to work a little bit. You know why? Because God doesn't need any flobby Christians, amen? God doesn't need any flabby just Christians that can't do anything because he has work to do. He has work to do, and he wants you to do it. Right? All right. Open your Bibles to James chapter 2. As I said, I'm kind of cheating here a little bit, and that is because we, we studied James uh, on Wednesday nights. So I know I'm cheating a little bit, but uh, still, this verse really hits me. James chapter 2... Verse 14. Okay, good boy. All right. Now, who's James? Who's James? James is Jesus' half-brother, right? This is Jesus. They had the same mom. And he, the, you guys know what he did for a living? This is important. This is important. James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Why does that matter? Because Jerusalem was having a tremendous famine at this time, a tremendous famine. People were literally starving to death in their church, okay? There were people that were very wealthy, a little tiny small group, and then there were people that were literally starving to death, okay? So James says this in James chapter 2, verse 14 and following, he says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but it does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, 
but you don't give them anything that's needed for the body, what does it profit? Verse 17, thus also faith by itself, it does, if it does not have works, is dead. See, Jesus isn't, doesn't have this, we're, let me put it to you this way. You guys know what a cherub looks like in the world? The world that doesn't know Christ, what's a cherub look like? A little fat baby with little tiny wings like this? Is that what angels look like? No. Angels are soldiers, right? And messengers, okay? And God has a message for us and work for us. And he needs us to get to work. And he says here, faith without works is dead. Okay, now flip over in your Bible to our main central text. It's going to be Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I bet some of you guys have heard this um, this text before. Mm -hmm. Go to Matthew 14, son. All right. Matthew chapter 14. Just look up when you're there. If you don't have your Bible, I'll assume that you have the entire thing memorized. James chapter 14. What are, Matthew chapter 14. What happens? What's going on here? Jesus, well, I want to talk mainly about Jesus feeds 5,000 people, right? 5,000 men to include women, and there are also women and children. Now, this is a sad time for Jesus, isn't it? This time, this is preceded by a very sad time for Jesus. Did you guys know that? Why, why is it a sad time for Jesus? Because his cousin just had his head cut off, didn't he? His cousin, who is John the Baptist, just had his head cut off, Right? And he had his head cut off because he refused to hide the word. He refused to do it. Okay? The king wanted him to do it. He refused to. Then the king got all prideful, and there was this and that. And so he got his head cut off. So John, uh, so Jesus and the disciples go away to a solitary place. But as often happens, when Jesus goes to a solitary place, what happens? A whole bunch of people come with him, right? A whole bunch of people come with him, and that's what we see here, and that's our setting. I'm just going to read. I'm in the New King James. Just follow along with what you, uh, what you have. I'm just, we're going to read the text through, and then we're going to break it down and talk about it. Okay. When it was evening, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the village and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said that to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the, uh, the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took a full basket full of fragments that remained now, those who had eaten were 5,000 men besides women and children. All right. So, <clears throat> how many people were there? Uh, we're, we're talking probably 15,000 people, right? A big group of people, right? Because every, if everyone has, or if most of the groups have wives or kids, 
I'm talking about a huge group of people. Now, do you think this was one big homogenous group? Do you think everything was, everybody was basically the same? Do you think that? Okay, I want you guys, here, I want you guys to go ahead and put your thinking caps on with me for a second. Put them on. Come on, Lisa, come on. There you go, thank you. We do this at home. She's practiced. There you go. Nicely done. All right. See, there's three basic kinds of people that, that were following Jesus during his earthly ministry. There was three main people groups, okay? The first main people group were non-believers. They weren't believers at all, not even a little bit. Go to Matthew 23. Go to Matthew chapter 23. All right, just hold your the hand there at Matthew chapter 23. We're going to hit that in just a second. So you're asking yourself, you're saying, Jack, why in the world would these guys follow Jesus if they weren't believers? Well, what do you think they were following Jesus for? So they could catch him doing, saying something wrong, right? And they did it all the time. They thought they, I always, I always laugh at this. Remember, uh, remember the time that the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, Lord, is it, or Jesus, is it uh, legal to pay taxes? You know, remember when they said that to Jesus? They said, Jesus, is it legal to pay? And I can just imagine when I think about that, I think about the Pharisees that kind of walked up and did it. He's walking back to the group and they're all hyped. Yeah, we got him this time. They're all excited. And then Jesus pulls out the club and says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And then the God, and they're all like, oh. you know. But that's what they're doing. They're all following Jesus around the, these, this group. And they're trying to find fault with what Jesus says and what Jesus does. Does that kind of thing happen today? Does that happen today? Do people in our media, do people in our world, do they watch? Uh, what people do to, in an attempt to find fault? Yes, they do. Right? Here's the, here's the catcher. And this is going to be hard for you. And this is really hard for me. Uh, did Jesus love them? As a matter of fact, his heart broke for the Pharisees, didn't it? His heart broke for the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the ruling, the, the Sanhedrin would be the ruling religious body. It was made up of Pharisees. Sadducees and teachers of the law. Pharisees were the uh, conservatives. You guys ready for this? Pharisees were the conservatives. Sadducees were the liberals. Right? And so they were clashing back then, 2,000 years ago. Stop it, Jack. No, seriously. They weren't. Right? The Pharisees had an ultra-conservative view of the law. The Sadducees had a very liberal view of the law. The Sadducees didn't believe in angels. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in heaven. That's why they're sad. You see? That's not my interest. All right. Thanks for the charity. I appreciate that. All right. Verse 23, uh, as you were. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 and 28. Jesus is speaking now. He says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees. What's that next word? Hypocrite. That's a tough word, isn't it? He says, woe to you. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and uncleanliness. 
Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, these were the most religious-looking peop people at the time, and they were some of the worst. They were leading people astray. And this is what Jesus said. So the thing is, what I'm saying to you today, this was a big group of the people that followed Jesus, and it's a big group of the people that followed Jesus today. Okay, they follow him around in an attempt to find something that he's doing that's wrong. Okay? Now let's push on. Because there's another group of people. There's another group of people that, that are following Jesus. And those that are following Jesus for a show. They were following Jesus in an attempt to see a show. Jesus was a pretty popular guy, wasn't he? Was Jesus a pretty popular guy? He was. People followed him around. They wanted to see stuff. Why do you think he was popular? Huh? Because let me tell you something. If you have a hand that doesn't work and you live in a society that's based on agriculture, that's a problem, isn't it? That's a big problem, right? If you live in a society that has absolutely no social program whatsoever and you are crippled and lame and you can't walk anywhere, then that's a problem, isn't it? So that's why people were flooding to Jesus, because they had heard stories about a lame man that started walking. In John chapter 9, there was a blind man, and all of a sudden he could see. Right? So people were following Jesus around. They weren't interested in making him their Lord. They were just interested in seeing something. Right? We have people like that today? Yeah. They wanted to ride right on the periphery of Christ. Right on the periphery. They don't want to get too close. Right? They don't want to get too close. They want to get what we call spiritual fire insurance. You ever heard of spiritual fire insurance? You want just a little bit of Jesus, just enough to get you over the hump, right? But you don't want all that lordship stuff. No. Well, that was a big group of people that were following Jesus around, all right? Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. Verse 21 and 22. I really want you to think about this, okay? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. He says this. This is Jesus speaking again. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Woo! Did you guys hear that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he says that here, doesn't he? Because he says, um, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, verse 22, many will say in that day. What's that day? What's that day? That's the, that's the day of judgment, right? Do you have a second chance after that? No, that's it. Right? But many will say, look at your text, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, what? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, I did this. Lord, Lord, I went, remember when I went to that soup kitchen? Lord, Lord, remember when I handed out tracts that one time? And then what does he say there? Look at your text and look at what he says. It's awesome. It's so powerful. It's frightening almost for those that don't know Christ because he says, depart from me, cursed, for I what? 
I never knew you. More importantly, you never knew me. Right? What Jesus is saying is, get your life in touch with him. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. I know about George Washington. Do you think that has a lot of impact on my life? Yeah. I know facts about him. But it has very little impact on my life. Okay? Go to James chapter 2. Hold your hand here. I know we're doing this a lot. Um, I do this for the kids, too. They get very frustrated with me. Go to James chapter 2, verse 19. James chapter 2, verse 19. If you highlight your Bible, if you make marks in your Bible, I would suggest you do it here. James chapter 2, verse 19. James chapter 2, verse 19 says this. You believe there's one God? You do well. You do well. You're right. What he's saying is, what James is saying is here, you believe that there's one God? You do well. That's, that's correct. But then he says and makes another statement, doesn't he? Even the, dem the devils believe, and they shudder. See, is Satan going to heaven at the end? Does Satan believe that there's a Jesus? Yeah, he believes there's a Jesus. In fact, he met him personally and tempted him, didn't he? We know that, right? So there's got to be something more. And Jesus said previously, he said, those call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say. The thing is, is he Lord of your life? Is your Lord? We know he is a Lord, right? I know the Prime Minister of Germany is a Prime Minister, but she is not my Prime Minister. Right? Does that make sense? So what Jesus says is get right with him. Ask him. Talk to him. And today is the day. Jesus also says today is the day to get that right. If you're not 100% sure today that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven with him. You can make that right today, this day. Okay. So that's, we said the first group were those that were antagonistic towards him. We said that the second group were those that, that believed that he was somebody and they just wanted to see a show, right? Who do you think the third group of people are? Those are sold out followers of Christ. These guys are sold out. Um, how far do you think it is? Someone say, how far do you think it is from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem? How far do you think? It's about 90-something miles, right? So Nate came from Orlando to Philly, right? And then he had to come from Philly to Harrisburg, right? Now, I don't know, honestly. How far is that? Philly to Harrisburg. Huh? All right. So how did Nate get there? Huh? He got by plane, and then how did he get from uh, Philly to Harrisburg? So how do we do that? When we have to go 100 miles, what do we do? We drive or we fly, right? Or we take a train, right? How did they do it in those days? They walk. They walk. Right? So when they're going from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem, it says that I must meet 
the Bible says that I have to go to Jerusalem, they're walking 100 miles. Right? And they didn't have Merrill hiking shoes on, right? And they didn't have the best backpack that's available, right? They had sandals, and they were walking in the dirt, and it was hot. And it was also sometimes perilous, right? There were thieves out there. Let me tell you why there were thieves. Because when they were going... When they were going to Passover, the thieves knew that they were going up there to give an offering, right? So that they knew, so they knew they had what? They knew they had some money on them. Right? Dangerous. Right? But these guys were willing to do it. They were willing to follow Jesus because they wanted to get close to him. Right? That's what we have to get on. What can I do? How can I get close to Jesus? How can I hear him? Because I'm here to tell you that today, if you came in here to hear somebody play the piano, to hear somebody pray and hear me talk, you missed the boat. You're going to leave here disappointed. But if you came here to meet with Jesus and hear from him, then you will not be disappointed. Because he said, wherever two or more gathered in my name, there I shall be among them. Right? So that's what we have to be about. And it's always my prayer, and it's always Lisa's prayer, that we would just be invisible, that you would just hear him and not us, right? And that's what we have to be about. So I want you to understand one thing about discipleship. We're talking about missions. We're talking about discipleship. And, and the Lord said, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, listen, hear me now. If you don't hear anything else, hear this, please. Just learning about Jesus is only 50% of discipleship. Amen? Just learning facts about Jesus is 50% of discipleship. That's not discipleship. James said that, didn't he? James said you've got to be about works. You've got to go out and do something now with that information. We know that we're responsible for information that we're given, right? If you're given information, now you're responsible for that information. Well, in the same way as we learn about the Lord, as we come closer to the Lord, then we are now responsible for that. So discipleship, if you come here so that you can learn more about a guy that lived 2,000 years ago that got nailed on a cross and three days later he rose from the dead, that's about half of discipleship. That's not the total discipleship. And we have to be about discipleship because we live in a world that's very hungry, don't we? You, you guys know, and I'm not trying to shame anybody. Listen, I'm proud to be an American. I love being an American. You guys know that I went to India, and when I was in India, I went to Chennai, right? Chennai is where Tom, they believe that Thomas uh, died, the, the apostle Thomas. Anyway, he's, he's on this mountain. You know what's at the base of that mountain? The base of this mountain is supposed to be one of the Catholic holy sites. Get close to the very base of it. There's big piles of garbage that people live in. It's just, they just pile up garbage. They pile it up, and then people live in there, right? And then the kid, they send the kids out, the kids to beg for the tourists, because lots of tourists come there, right? So they so they beg. Right? Everywhere I went in China, there was someone begging, right? For um, money for health care. All the time. Everywhere I went. It was almost, I'm gonna tell this story and then I'm stop. Because it, it it's really convicting to me. Um, I taught in a school, like a seminary, in um, in China. And uh, they asked me, I had to be really careful what I said to them. 
because they asked me, they said, uh, what do you like to eat? And I said, I really like duck and goose. And I was there for three weeks, and guess what? For three weeks, we had either duck or goose or duck and goose, right? And so we were eating like kings because I during the day, I couldn't go outside, right? I had to stay inside because if the neighbors saw the – none of these people had ever seen a Westerner before. They looked at me like I was from the moon, you know? They said, what is this? This looks hair on my arms. I mean, I, they wanted to know why my eyes were blue. And then when they saw me right with my left hand, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but um, so we ate really well. And I was like – Man, you guys eat like kings. There was 26 people in the school, right? I had a duck every day. I ate a duck. I think I was going to leave that place heavy. But I couldn't figure out because all the students every day, they always fought over who gets to clean my place up. Like, oh, that's weird. They come in and they take my tray away like this and they want to clean all my dishes. Man, these guys are great servants. You know what I found out? Every day at school, bought two ducks. They gave me one, and then the 26 students split the other one. Right. That's the truth in the world today. See, we live in America. Sometimes we're insulated from that, but that's the truth. We live in a world of people that are hungry. Not only are they physically hungry, but they're spiritually hungry. How many people know that right here in Harrisburg, there's a whole bunch of people that are spiritually hungry? They're lost as a goose. My whole hope. Everything that I hope for, everything that we hope for as Christians is in Christ. That's what we do. We can endure this because we know that sooner or later in heaven, we will be with him, right? Now, imagine you don't have that hope, any hope, any hope. But that's how people are living. That's how our neighbors are living today. And that's why we have to be about missions. Okay. Um, the situation. What's the situation here? In your text, <laughs> I switched you all over. Go to back to Matthew chapter 14. That's my bit. I know. I get, I get excited. Go to Matthew, back to Matthew chapter 14, the feeding of the 5,000. What's the situation here? What's the, set? What's the situation? What's the problem? There's no resources, right? There's no resources. There's a whole bunch of people. Did you guys know? Did you guys know? Here's a pearl. This is a this is a pearl for you. Did you guys know that only two miracles that Jesus ever performed are in every one of the gospels? Did you guys know that? Only two miracles that Jesus performed are in all four of the gospels. One of them is his resurrection. One of them is his resurrection. What do you think the other one is? The feeding of the 5,000. That's the only mis uh, miracle besides his resurrection that's in all four Gospels. Why do you think that is? Because I think people left their home. You know? I believe people left there going, you know what? I don't know exactly what happened, but I know we didn't have anything and we left there full. And how many people know that today in our world today, we don't know how all the ins and outs and outs of how Jesus does certain things, but we know he does. We know that he's faithful. We know that he's always faithful. Okay, so that's the situation. All right. If you go to 
John, you'll see something really interesting. You don't need to go to John, but if you go to John chapter 6, verse 9, when you're uh, studying on your own, we'll see that there's a little boy there. Oh, what's that little boy's name? All right, that boy eats one of the disciples. What's that disciple's name? That disciple's name's Andrew. Not this Andrew. It's a different Andrew. It's Peter's brother. And what does he do? What does this decide, uh, What does this little boy do? He gives his lunch to Jesus, right? He gives all of his lunch to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. If I'm out in a deserted place and I'm a little boy, this is Jack Greenley here, right? And I have five loaves and two fish on me. And someone comes up and says, hey, you got anything? I can see myself saying, yeah, I got three, three loaves and one fish. Did you see that? But he doesn't, he doesn't do that, does he? He says, I have five loaves and two fish. And he gives it all to Jesus. He gives Jesus his lunch. In the human, when you think about it, in the humanistic world, when you think about that, what does that mean? You know, you're thinking, why? Who cares? So what? We've got to... As a matter of fact, one of the disciples uh, says, but what is that with so many? I heard, a, um, I heard a commentator, a critic, remember those three groups of people that fall around Jesus? This guy's group number one, and he wrote, he was writing a commentator, and he said, this is what happened here. He said, Jesus took one grain from each one of those five loaves, and and gave it to each person, so each person had one grain. I'm here to tell you that's even a bit a bigger miracle, man, because how many people ever got full off one grain of bread? <laughs> right? Nobody did, right? But then the Bible says they all got full. Right? Okay. Philip looks at the problem and not at the provider. Philip looks at the problem and not at the provider. We often look at the problem without looking at the provider. Right? We have the provider, we don't, but we don't look at him, we look at the problem. All right? The thing is, <clears throat> just like this little boy brought his food to Jesus. We need to be bringing our problem, or we need to bring our situation and our resources to Jesus because he can multiply it. See, I give my little offering to the Lord. I give my little tithe to the Lord. And I think, yeah, what is, what is this among so many? Yeah? But then the, Lord's, the Lord is what? I used to say this to my daughter when she was little. Um, your heart that's what he wants okay all right what's the result the result is they all ate and they were filled and there were 12 baskets filled why do you think 12 baskets 
12 baskets of fragments. They picked them all up and carried them out. Why do you think there was 12? How many apostles were there? There were 12, right? So each one, they have a physical reminder. What do you think is going through their head as they're carrying this basket up, right? A lot of commentators believe that these baskets were things that uh, a person would wear around their neck with a, with a, like a thing like this. And so these guys are walking around carrying this. And every time they, they're walking around, they go, is that you pray specifically. You pray specifically to the Lord for your needs. Don't pray, Lord, please bless me, because you never know if that prayer is answered. But if you're specific, if you pray specifically, and then the prayer is answered, you know that it was Jesus, and then you write it down and say, on this day, the Lord answered this prayer. Right? Because that's what happened there. All right. So, in closing, I'm going to talk about I want to talk about one thing, and I want to talk about what, is it, what does all this mean to us? See, J Jesus said something super powerful at the beginning of this. He, they said, uh, send him away, and Jesus said this. If you go back in your text in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus said, you give him something. Right? He said, you give, that's the challenge for you. That's a challenge for me. That's a challenge. He's saying, you give them something to eat. You have, through me, the ability to do that. Will you do it? Will you step out on faith and do this? And one of the ways we can do this in our world today is servant evangelism. Who's ever heard of servant evangelism? All right. We studied this a little in college. I taught Lisa. No, I just did. I didn't teach Lisa taught me everything I know. But anyway, um, so servant evangelism is a method by which you spread the gospel by helping somebody else with no strings attached. Okay? Let me give you an example. My professor in college, one of the things that his youth group did was they had a car wash. Right? And you know what happens at the end of the car wash? Someone will walk up to you and say, hey, you know, what are you raising money for, right? So you sit your hand and you, you head, sit your hand and say, I don't want any money. I'm just here trying to show the love of Christ in a, in a way they did that. His youth did that, and people came to church. They were interested in that. Right? Um, I want to talk about another one really quickly. You guys ever hear of Aldi before the store Aldi? Um, I used to shop at Aldi in Germany a long time. I like Aldi. But anyway, uh, what's the one thing about Aldi smart? You know that I was a courtesy clerk 4,000 years ago. I used to work at a grocery store, and I was a courtesy clerk. You know what the courtesy clerk did? He was a guy that walked out and got the shopping carts. They called me courtesy clerk, really. What I was was just the, the lowest of the workers. And I went out there, and then I used to go like blocks and go pick all these carts and bring them back. And people would push the cart all the way to the back of their house, and then they wouldn't bring it back. They'd just put it on the side after the business, right? But you know what Aldi did? What did Aldi do? They said, you got to put a quarter in there, right? Then you want your quarter back, you gotta, you got to bring your cart back, right? Let me tell you what my wife did. Very low cost. Doesn't cost hardly anything. My wife's super smart. If you, I can talk right to My wife's super smart. This is what she did. She went and got some quarters. She 
the guy said, what? Why don't you just sit in front of all these? And when people walked up, put a quarter in, pulled a car out, gave it to them. Cost you three bucks. For a little bit of time. You do that with, the, with your faith assembly shirt on? People start asking questions? There might be people straight on their way to hell. Serving Evangelism Project. I'm going to give you one more, and then we're going to close. <clears throat> I read about this one. There's websites that have tons of these. But I read about one. This was so awesome. Uh, let me give you a little for instance. How, uh, you guys know the way I met Lisa is that I hired her for a job. Uh, she was conducting <laughs> an interview. And I came in, I thought it was a big shot. You know, I was sitting there like this. I threw open the door, and there she was, and my little heart melted, and so like that. It just so happened that it was raining that day. No, I'm not trying to be a softy. Um, but uh, it was raining that day. It was pouring. So she was walking back to her car. And uh, you know what I did? I went ran and got an umbrella. And I held that umbrella over her head as she uh, went to go get in her car. Um, so... Uh, Today that you're going to heaven, today is the day to 